Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Parenting is tough and getting tougher as culture and technology change the way kids grow up here in America. But why has parenting changed as much as it has? How do parents cope with those changes, especially the changes in expectations? And what does all this change to parenting actually mean to the kids themselves? We're going to talk with Andrew Bombeck, author of the book Long Days, Short Years, next, right after the news from NPR. Detroit Today is supported by Michigan School of Psychology in Farmington Hills, educating psychologists today who will transform our world tomorrow. Learn more at msp.edu. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. I'm going to start today with a statement of the obvious. Parenting is hard. It's really hard. It's hard to be present for. It's hard to be emotionally attached and involved in all the ways that we have to with our kids. It's just hard across the board. And it can be excruciating to try to put all we have into things like our jobs and the other parts of our lives and put as much as we should into the relationship with our kids day after day after day. And these expectations that surround parenting, they seem to be getting steeper. We're expected to spend more time with our kids while we have fewer people around us to help us raise them than they did in previous generations. We're less immersed in communities that could look after them on the street when they're outside of our watchful eyes. And importantly, it's gotten a lot more expensive to raise our kids. These are some real differences between parenting today and in generations past. But I think I'm not alone in being curious as to why. Why have things changed so much? What's driving all these changes in parenting and expectations? And why are parents often so much more anxious today about how they're parenting? how much they're parenting than they were in the past. Dr. Andrew Bombeck is a physician and director of clinical research at Columbia University. He has surveyed parenting advice and data field books on how to be a better parent, and he's written a book of his own on the topic. But his work is a little different. He's trying to explore why new parenting trends have risen and what it actually looks like to be a more present, compassionate parent in a particularly stressful time. 
In his book, Long Days, Short Years, he tries to clarify the cultural changes that have taken place in the world of parenting and bring some sense of sanity to the chaos of parenting. I'm really pleased to welcome Dr. Bombeck to Detroit today to discuss all of this. Dr. Bombeck, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and uh, feel free to call me Andy throughout our discussion. Sure. Okay, so you are a physician. Tell me why you decided to write a book about parenting. What are the connections or similarities between, I guess, being a parent and being a doctor? I uh, started writing this book not from the position of being a physician, but rather from the position of being a parent. So I was having some struggles with my own parenting and really was diving deep into the parenting literature to look for advice and suggestions. And I was sort of inundated with just all this uh, wealth of material that I felt like needed some degree of processing. Because as I was reading more and more of these advice books and diving into parenting blogs and listening to parenting podcasts and uh, meeting with parenting coaches, I, I sensed that being a parent today is such a unique phenomenon compared to prior generations. And just being able to recognize that and just being able to explore why it's different to me was very helpful. And so that was really the starting point of writing about this. I was having problems with my parenting and it helped me to recognize how different parenting is today than it was in the past because our dominant models as parents are the way we were raised, how our own parents did it. Mm -hmm. But they were basically playing a very different sport than what parents today are playing and and exploring what the sport of parenting is now, what what the what the sort of field of play is to me was a very interesting topic to explore. So uh, as a parent and as, of course, a child uh, of, of parents, I've had this argument a lot of times and, and said, in fact, to my mom, hey, look, it's different now than it was when I was a kid. In some ways, it's tougher. Now, I'm always a little hesitant when I say that because, uh, of course, that gets her, her hackles up. And she's like, you don't know how tough it was to raise you in the 1970s and 1980s here in Detroit. So don't say that it is harder. But, but you seem to be saying objectively that it's not just different, that it is tougher. So, so tell me what has changed, say, in the last 50 years that makes... Uh, the experience that we're having now as parents really different from the ones that our parents had. Yeah. And I, and I'm not trying to discount the work of prior generations of parents, like, like your, like your mom or my own parents who did work really hard raising their kids, but I do think it's very different. So first of all, we do have statistics that back up that uh, assertion. So a, a working mom today is devoting the same amount of time and spending considerably more money, inflation adjusted, than a stay-at-home mom in the 70s did. So just that sort of statistic should sort of get your get your hair up. The fact that a working mom today is basically using the same amount of time on raising their kids that a stay-at-home mom did 50, 60 years ago. So what that you know, translates to is that if you're a working parent, you basically come home and from the minute you get home, your entire life is devoted to these kids and you basically no longer have time for yourself. So mm. that that's part of it. Um, 
But I think the other big part of it, and this is sort of broad strokes, but you know, when you raise kids today, you have fears about the world they're inheriting that I don't think parents in the 70s necessarily had. So there are economic fears and there are, again, very clear uh, statistics that back this up that you know, subsequent generations are now for the first time making less money and accumulating less wealth and overall um, financial security than the previous generation where it used to be almost a given that you would raise kids who would be more secure than you were just mm -hmm. given the trend. So there's this, uh, you know, economic insecurity that drives a lot of the anxiety of parents. But then just there are just so many things in the world that are that are troubling. So our kids are inheriting a world that appears to be not only less economically secure, but less uh, emotionally secure, uh, less uh, 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 medically secure in terms of health risks uh, with pandemics, um, and just overall less uh, secure that there will be a world with climate change. So we're, we're sort of handing our kids over to a really dangerous world. And I think that fuels the anxiety that parents feel that we have to make sure these kids are optimally prepared for what is not necessarily a, a bright promised future. So we have to get them to that point where they can make the most of, of the world they're inheriting and, and a world they're inheriting in many respects because of our own faults. And, and of course, uh, that's gotten even tougher recently because of the pandemic, which was disruptive for everybody, but was especially disruptive for parents and their and their children. Uh, uh, talk about how the pandemic alters this equation and this this level of anxiety that we're looking at w w with modern parenting. Yeah, I think the pandemic and its impact on parenting is is fascinating and it's and it's multifaceted. So, for for one, what the pandemic did, especially in the beginning, um, when most uh, parents were dealing with basically stay-at-home orders and really had no no help raising their kids beyond themselves it really highlighted just how hard it is to raise kids if you don't have help so if you lose your babysitters if you lose grandparents if you lose neighbors if you lose schools um, to send your kids to during the day if you lose uh, recreational activities to send your kids to on the weekends if you're doing everything on your own it's virtually an impossible task so one of the lessons that we learned from the pandemic is that parenting cannot be done alone, that we need uh, help from the outside to get through it. And the better you can establish a circle of help of trusted people who, who um, can care for your child when you can't do it, the easier the job of parenting will be. And the pandemic showed us that in really stark contrast when it was taken away. I think the other thing that parenting um, experienced during the pandemic was uh, this sort of acceleration of expectations, because, you know, in my own personal experience, um, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, many of the the parents that I talked to um, were saying, you know, this is sort of nice to some degree because everything's canceled and we get this great time alone with our family and we're really reconnecting and we're learning about each other. And I feel like I'm getting to do the actual parenting that I signed up for where I'm not worried about driving them to this practice or taking them to this party or going to this activity, but we're just sitting at home, you know, talking, playing board. But that sort of honeymoon period lasted for just a few weeks. And then parents sort of realized, you know what, this is really hard. And maybe this idea that 
I'm supposed to be having this perfect relationship with my child is impossible for me. And I think a lot of parents felt pressure hmm. as to why it wasn't going perfectly. And uh, that idea that uh, there's this stress on you and there's this, there's this pressure on you to do it perfectly really got amplified in the beginning of the pandemic. I tell a story in the book about a woman who was posting pictures on Facebook of how she was homeschooling her children. And she was really proud of, of the work she was doing. And she got so many angry, hateful messages mm -hmm. of saying like, why are, you, why are you showing this? You know it's hard, you know it stinks, you know our kids hate this, you know you hate this. And why are you trying to make us feel bad? And she, she was, you know, all I was trying to do was just, you know, share some ideas and tell people, you know, that, you know, this, these things work, you should try these with your kids. And she just got this barrage of sort of like the, the opposite of parent shaming. It was sort of like, don't, don't try to parent shame us with how well you're doing by giving us this fake image of how easy it is. So I think the pandemic sort of, sort of accelerated some of the pressures that parents feel to, that they have to do this job perfectly. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about parenting with Andrew Bomback, who is the author of a new book called Long Days, Short Years, A Cultural History of Modern Parenting. Uh, Andrew is a physician and director of clinical research at Columbia University. Uh, and in the book, he really takes a look at the way that parenting has changed really dramatically uh, over the past half century and that uh, we're facing really different things as parents parents today than our parents or our grandparents did. The question is, how do we cope with all of those things? How do we meet all of these different and uh, maybe increasing expectations about what it means to be a good parent. Uh, we want to hear from you during the conversation as well. Call and tell us about your experience as a parent today and how it's different from the experience that your parents or grandparents had raising, raising you? Uh, do you feel like you need to be in your kids' lives in a way that parents didn't have to in the past? Uh, talk about the particular challenges and struggles that you face day to day, and what kind of support or help do you look for uh, as a parent? Uh, what has helped? What do you think has made you a better parent, uh, especially during and since the pandemic, which of course was a big disruption to the way all of us have to have to parent. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation uh, that way. I uh, also want to hear from folks who are parenting in unusual circumstances? Are you parenting uh, children that maybe you didn't expect to have to, to, to parent and finding it more difficult uh, than, than what you expected, uh, finding challenges um, that you didn't know were there? Again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we, um, and we can work you into the the conversation. I I, I want to go back to a word that you used a couple times, Andrew. Uh, perfection. Um, and when you said it, uh, I got a little twinge uh, <laughs> in the back of my neck because I think that is that is the crux of the anxiety and uh, the pressure that 
we put on ourselves as parents, but also that that the culture puts on us. And the perfection that that I guess I feel like I struggle with is being uh, the kind of parent who can avoid some of the difficulties for my children that I had uh, as a kid. I, I, I go back all the time to uh, my son's first day of kindergarten and how absolutely overwhelmed I was by the idea of him starting school, um, so much so that uh, when they asked all the parents in the classroom to, to, to go off, you know, to work and let the teacher finally uh, take over the class, I, I kind of hung around and, and snuck back and looked through the window of the classroom several times just to make sure my son was okay. And some of that was about, you know, the experiences that I had as a young kid in school that weren't, that weren't great. But I, I was so worried about him facing those same things, even though nothing in his life looked the way it did uh, for me at that age. But, but there, there was this sense I had that I had to do better. I had to be perfect in a way uh, that my parents weren't. Yeah, well, I think what you're getting at is that there is this, you know, new, very unique to parents today sense of anxiety that I discuss in the book, but a lot of it is on the parents and not on the kids. I don't think, so I, what I mean by that is I don't think kids today are that different from kids 50, 60 years ago, but parents are. And a lot of the pressures and anxieties do feel self-inflicted. You know, when you were telling that story about, you know, dropping your, your child off at kindergarten, it, it, I was getting sort of like a visceral reaction <laughs> from my own experiences of taking my kids to kindergarten for the first time. And just, you know, recently my son volunteering to play goalie in his youth soccer game. And I, and I said, like, I, I didn't realize how stressful it is <laughs> having your kid be the goalie where That's they literally right. could take the blame for every goal they get scored. But it, but when I talked to him afterwards, he was like, that was so much fun. Like I got to dive on the ground and, you know, I got to wear gloves and I got to wear a different Jersey than everybody else. So I think sometimes it does, you know, you know, benefit us to take a step back and sort of get into our kids' perspectives and say like, well, what are they experiencing? Mm -hmm. um, but the going to the other thing that you mentioned with the word perfect, I do think this is a, you know, a you know, a particular plague for modern parents as well. And if you look at some of the, what I think are some of the better parenting books that, that are out now, which are really in many ways, a reaction or a response to the perfect helicopter parent that was prescribed, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. A lot of the books now are saying, you know, to some degree, cut yourself some slack and no one can be perfect. And sometimes good enough is, is okay mm -hmm. as being a parent. And I think what's so interesting, if you really like sort of analyze parenting books, they sort of like, they're sort of like reactionary to the, to the parenting books that came out five years earlier or 10 years earlier. So, you know, there's, there's a wave of books that came out, which are very like into this overscheduling cultural, I mean, cultivating your kids in a way that they're the perfect kids and really advocating for a helicopter parenting style. And then you sort of get this backlash of books that are pushing against that um, and saying, you know, back off a little bit and focus less on how great my child is at piano and football 
and and debate and rather say, am I raising the type of kid that has empathy and um, you know good social skills and 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 has a moral compass? So you know, I, I think that you know th that that's probably the antidote to some of that pressure that we feel to being perfect is, you know, what are what are our actual expectations for our for our kids? Like, what are we really at essence trying to do? when we're raising children. Hmm. Um, do, do they have to be the most popular kid in kindergarten? Or is it is it a better goal to say, I like the way my kindergartner is talking to this new friend that they've just met. They seem really polite and, and interested in what this friend is telling them. Um, so those sort of, you know, modifying of our goals and also sort of evaluating how much of it is coming from us versus how much of it really is their issue are, are some of the things that can help alleviate that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation uh, with Andrew Bombeck about his book, Long Days, Short Years, A Cultural History of Modern Parenting. We'll get going with your comments as well. We've already got a number on social media through Twitter. If you want to join us on the phones, we'd love to hear from you as well. Call and tell us about your parenting experiences. Uh, how difficult are they? Uh, are they more difficult, do you imagine, than what it was like 50 or 60 years ago? Uh, uh, is it harder for you than it was for your parents? Why? And what are the factors uh, that really weigh into that? As always, the number here on the phone is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your place for open dialogue. The music you love. Real news and in-depth analysis. And cultural experiences. The sound of Detroit. 1019 WDET is your public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking with Andrew Bombeck uh, today. He is the author of Long Days, Short Years, A Cultural History of Modern Parenting. It takes a look at the ways parenting has changed uh, over time, the stress and anxiety that parents today feel that perhaps doesn't really mirror the experiences of previous generations. Uh, we want to hear from you as well during the conversation. Call and tell us about your parenting experience. Tell us about the anxiety or the stress that you feel. Why do you feel that? What is driving those emotions uh, with regard to raising your kids? Uh, also, where do you look for support to help with raising your kids? I think uh, that dynamic, uh, the, the the kinds of communities that we raise children in and kind of fall back on other people, that that's changed a lot as well. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Josh on Twitter says, I wasn't parenting in a previous generation, so I can't speak to that. What I will say is that people often make assumptions on the past based on select media from the past or from fuzzy childhood memories, maybe suggesting that things 
weren't the way that we remember them. Uh, Catherine on Twitter says, I had my kids in 2003 and 2004 and was immediately overwhelmed by the sheer amount of information about parenting. So many books, magazines, blogs, etc. My parents had one book, the Dr. Spock book, and they were definitely not worried about their parenting style, uh, getting to a point Andrew made earlier about the self-inflicted expectations perhaps that we put on ourselves. Uh, Dave on Twitter has a question specifically for uh, Andrew. He says, um, how has disinvestment in public schools or the rise in charter schools had an impact on the difficulty of parenting? Is there any data to support that idea? Great question, uh, Andrew. What's the answer? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a very good question. The you know, there has been an eroding trust in public schools, and I I worry about that because what, what it's led to is the loss of a really important parenting resource. So by disinvesting in public schools and essentially reducing their importance and their role in our children's lives, we've lost a parenting ally. So, you know, it, it, would, it would make sense if you're having issues with your child, um, to, to talk to somebody at the at the school for help. That's not the way it works for most parents now. You, instead, you hire an outside consultant. Hmm. Uh, you you know you you hire these coaches that really don't have the same level of, of, of experience and expertise for the most part. That somebody who works with kids all their all their day, who have been doing it for many many years, would 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 be expected to have. And and you see the same thing. This erosion in trust, not just in 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 teachers and the public schools, you see it in pediatricians, you see it in, uh, in in religious figures that previously were looked to for advice, and you you also see it. And this is to me really sad. You see it in in the in the prior generation. Um, you see people going less and less to grandparents and older aunts and uncles for advice, and instead, people are just going to to the internet and mm. going to social media. And, and the, the problem with that is that when you take away the authority and you take away the, um, the sort of resources that, that have traditionally been, been helpful, you, you're trying to fill that gap with sources that haven't been vetted to the same degree. Um, so, you know, I have this whole part of my book about how there's this you know, new breed of parenting books that are written um, using outside theories to influence parenting. So using like behavioral economics and game theory to, to, to give parenting advice. And it turns out like one of the most popular books on this was written by someone who doesn't have any kids. Hmm. And, and, and the author freely admits, he's like, I didn't even want to write a parenting book. I was just writing an advice column about how to use game theory for everyday situations. And I think he got one question about parenting and someone said, you should write a book about it. And he had to find a co-writer who had who had kids just so we had some legitimacy. But like some of the things that are suggested in that book, they, they make sense in theory. But if you if you think about like how would this work in a home with three or four like really loud, rambunctious kids, it it, it, it doesn't necessarily yeah. work. So it, it, it makes me worry because as we as we start taking away um, the, the the faith in some of these trusted institutions like public schools, like pediatricians, like your local temple or church, um, in many ways, you're taking away the autonomy of parents themselves, and you're basically saying you don't know what you're doing, and you need you need to go to these 
you know, newer sources to help you do what you do. And, and, and the reference to Spock is so interesting because that, that's correct. For a while, I mean, there were more other parenting books besides Spock, but Spock was clearly the number one seller. In fact, there was a time when the only book that outsold Spock was the Bible. It was the Bible, Spock, right. <laughs> right, and Spock was number two on that list, and his, his was called the Parenting Bible. But what Spock is saying throughout that book is, trust yourself. You actually are better at this job than you think. And that's a very foreign sentiment from what most of the parenting books today are saying. Most of them are saying, don't trust yourself. You need our help because you're not doing as good a job as you should be doing. And that, that really adds to a lot of the pressures that parents feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, thanks a lot for the the questions and comments on Twitter. Uh, let's get to the phones now, which are full of parents wanting to share their experiences. Ivy and Troy, you're up first. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, mm -hmm. This topic really speaks to me because uh, when the pandemic started, I had a six-month-old and a year-and-a-half-old. Um, the daycare is closed, and we have grandparents to live out of state. So mm -hmm. not only did we have to sort of parent without the usual village that previous generations had, but we had to do it in complete isolation which is just not great for our mental health. Um, and I think we needed to learn that, you know, to be easy on ourselves, especially as women, we take on a lot of the invisible work and the mental load. Um, and through therapy, being vulnerable here, through therapy, we learned, you know, to avoid that perfectionism, to kind of go easy on ourselves because we weren't struggling because we were bad parents or not as good as our generations. But because we had less resources. We don't have those aunties, those uncles, the cousins, the neighbors, especially with the pandemic. So now we're sort of seeing the light and things are better. And on a big picture, socially, there needs to be better family-friendly policies, like better maternity leave, paternity leave. But on a micro level, we just need to kind of be easy on ourselves and know that this is kind of a brave new world in yeah. terms of parenting. So Ivy, tell me about trying to build community around that. In other words, you don't have family who's close by and you do need support and everybody needs help every once yeah. in a while to, to raise their kids. How, how are you doing that and how are you finding the opportunity to do that in, in a time when, as you point out, we're not as connected to people we live near or, 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 or other kinds of communities? That's a really good question. So we sort of have to build our own village when it's not natural after, you know, how, how we lived for thousands of years. So I, I leaned on neighbors who had little kids. We set up play dates, like socially distanced play dates, just to at least talk to somebody. Um, I talked to other moms and dads at drop off and pick up a daycare and we reached out and we kind of shared our struggles and shared our phone numbers so that we could sort of just make friends. Um, and I'm part of this uh, parenting group that put us together when our babies were little, and we just reach out to each other so we know that we're not alone. And it does take a little more work because you have to put yourself out there if you're not in a multi-generational home or right next door to your neighbors who can help. But when you build that, you know, structure, it really helps you feel that you're not alone. And even sometimes it's just like a mom's night out. It doesn't even involve the kids. It just helps us know that, like, we're not alone. We have our social time. So I know it's not easy uh, you have to have finances to be able to go out uh, to pay for babysitters. We do have babysitters. I know not everyone can always have that, but um, you kind of have to build it ourselves. And, it, and honestly, it's not as easy as the previous generations had it, I would say. Yeah. Ivy, really, really love 
the phone call and the perspective that uh, that you're giving for our listeners here. Thanks so much for for calling in, uh, Andrew. The isolation is a big theme in in your book about the differences between now and perhaps when we were were raised or previous generations. Yeah, I, I think you know. Thank you, Ivy, for those comments, and I I agree with with, with everything you said. But I do think this is, you know, parenting can be a very lonely job if you don't try to enlist that kind of help that Ivy was referring to. Um, what's interesting is that to some degree, you know, you could argue that parents today have a much bigger circle of influences on them. You know, so I, you know, prior generations of parents, they, they generally didn't talk about parenting the way parents today do. Um, like it wasn't like the dominant topic of every conversation. Um, and really, you know, most of the input parents 50 or 60 years ago were getting on how they were raising their kids was sort of in a vertical model. They were just getting it from their own parents or their in-laws, uh, for better or for worse. Now, the, the advice that's being hurled at parents, sometimes good, sometimes not, is more of like a heliocentric view where you're getting it from all sides. So, you, you know, you're, you still might be getting it from, from your parents and your in-laws. But you're also, you know, getting parenting input from your neighbors, from, you know, the, your friends on Facebook, from the, uh, you know, what are called mom fluencers on Instagram. Um, and, and so you're get you're hearing about your parenting all the time. And while that should actually decrease the isolation that some parents feel, in many respects, if the, especially if the feedback is negative, it can actually augment that isolation. Why do all these moms on on Facebook and Instagram seem to be having such a easier time throwing their kids birthday parties, getting their kids, you know, <laughs> school photos to look perfect. Um, you know, basically taking these vacations that my family could never take. Um, so I, I think that that feeling that you want to get from other parents is exactly what Ivy said, that validation that this is hard, this takes help and this takes community. But sometimes the feedback that parents get, especially from from social media, is the exact opposite, which is this is this is this is easier than what you're experiencing. Oh, right. this, this should be this should be better than what you what you have in your house, and you're not doing as good a job as we are here on social media. And and that's not fair because everybody knows that there's a lot of sort of performance aspect to what people put on these social media apps. Sure. Um, and we and we need to acknowledge that. Uh, again, uh, thanks for the, the call, Ivy, and the, the really wonderful insight. Let's go next to Sarah in Livonia. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you hey. so much. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really loved the point um, about trusting ourselves, you know, and how important that is. Um, I've found myself, I'm, I'm actually a mental health therapist in the Livonia area, and so um, sometimes I think that you can get a, uh, I don't know if you want to say reputation of, you know, you're so lucky, you're, your kids are so lucky to have you, and, you know, you know so much, and this and that, and whew, I do not feel that way <laughs> at all sometimes, you know. It's like, what is going on, you know, in our world today? Um, but I loved, again, going back to trusting yourself because there are so many uh, resources, but in a way, 
I've recognized that I'm overwhelmed with the amount of resources. And so I've found myself literally um, having to pull out um, away from people, centering myself again, recognizing who I am as a parent, grounding myself. And then I'm able to, you know, work on some things with my kids, um, just, you know, one-on-one without these other outside um, influences. I hope this makes sense. It's just... Yeah. yeah, it can be so tiring and overwhelming to hear everybody's point of view. And, and like you're saying, you know, looking at, um, of course, we stay away from social media a lot in our house. But um, when I do peek at it, everyone's life looks so perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so far. It's got to be so far from the truth because this is what I do for my business, right? So I know it's not the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. anyway, I just Sarah. wanted to share Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you called. Uh, Really, again, wonderful uh, insight into into the ways that we torture ourselves sometimes, I think, about about the job that we're doing. Uh, I'm going to go next to Kathy in Heartland. Kathy, what's on your mind? Are you there, Kathy? Are you there, Kathy? Kathy, I think you got to turn on your radio. Um, we'll come back to you if uh, you can hang on the line. Let's go to Beth in Detroit. Beth, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. I really uh-huh. appreciate this topic. Um, I wanted to make two quick points. One is I didn't realize how much I depended on the school system, particularly my children's teachers, to help raise my child, my children beyond just getting an education, you know, the social aspects, the emotional aspects until the pandemic. And that was a real big eye opener for me. Um, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to all those teachers out there because we as parents, I think, depend on you more than we realize. Um, and then my second point was um, along the way, I have three kids and along the way, I kind of modified my parenting approach a little bit and reflected on the question, you know, what kind of human am I trying to raise here? And I found myself letting go of the power struggles we were having, um, me coming from a, an authoritarian position, hmm. and instead cultivating a more supportive environment that teaches them how to be independent thinkers and working as a family unit together instead of me just telling them what to do. And so far, it's really turned out to benefit us. I feel less um, stressed. I feel like I'm not always the, the evil person because... We just, there's not, you know, that power struggle, like I mentioned, there's not the yelling, there's not the go to your room if you don't do this, you know, it's, we're a team now. And I feel like they're getting that. And, and I think that translates more as they become adults. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how it, how it actually does pan out in the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Beth, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Andrew, I'll give you a chance to respond to, to Sarah and to Beth. Yeah, those were really, really great calls. Thank you. Um, so I think to what, what Beth just said, um, you know, that, that really, my book is not truly an advice book. It, it's more an exploration of trends and sort mm-hmm. of trying to examine why parenting has become so hard. And I really don't, you know, try to give much advice in the book because I don't think I'm an expert and able to give that advice. But the one thing that I will say when people ask me, like, well, what, what, what do you recommend? It sort of gets to what Beth is saying, which is that um, you want to model the behaviors that your kids will follow. Um, and that includes 
in the in the arena of discipline. You know, so but if you're if you're trying to correct a child's behavior, doing it authoritar- authoritatively, we know that doesn't work for adults. So why would we do that with kids? Um, and kids are really astute. Like they 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 observe and they 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 pick up everything we do. And you know, we always we always say like do do as I say, not not as I do. But kids will do as you do and not as you say. So they 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 will watch you and mimic the way you act. Um, so you may tell them, you know, be kind, be the, be be open minded, you know. But if you're not doing that in your own parenting, they're not going to follow that. So you have to really model and be the kind of adult you want your you want your kids to to grow up to be. Um, and then you know, I think this um, what we talked about with with teachers. It, I, I really I love that sentiment, and I think it it is so true. Teachers um, really get to know our kids intimately. They're with them for a large chunk of their day, um, and their input is is so helpful. I, I remember during the pandemic, my wife and I were zooming with my my son's kindergarten teacher, and we were asking, you know, like we're worried about you know his handwriting is it. And this, you know, what he's losing some of the, the the enrichment he was getting by not being in person. And she just stopped us for a second. She was like, "My one advice: <laughs> smother him, smother him with hugs. Just yeah. just follow that advice, and he'll be fine." And it was like it was like such a great feeling to get that because she really sort of just like said, "Take a step back. Your only job at this point is to is to make him feel safe and secure." And it, especially because my wife and I were both physicians. You know, dealing with the pandemic, and he was very scared about our safety. So she was just like, "Just let him know every day that you're there for him, you love him." And it was such great advice, and yeah. I'm I'm indebted to her for doing that. And this is from <laughs> you know a kindergarten teacher who you know she also got him to read and write and be great at math, but she also you know focused us on the most important stuff. So they are an incredible resource that we should not take for granted. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick break and come back and continue this conversation with Andrew Bombeck and with you, our listeners, about parenting. Uh, Kathy and Hartland is back with us. We'll get to her. Also have a number of social media comments to get to as well. If you want to join, 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Bomback, a physician and director of clinical research at Columbia University. He's also the author of Long Days, Short Years, a cultural history of modern parenting. That's what we're talking about today is parenting, how challenging it is, how stress and anxiety inducing it is and how that's different from maybe what uh, our parents or grandparents experienced. We want to hear from you about your parenting experiences uh, and how you make them a little more bearable. What are the things that you do to 
to build support for yourself. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you that way. James on Twitter says, as the father of a three-year-old who not only reads the books but also subscribes to parenting newsletters, I can only imagine it's gotten much worse since then, and uh, I'm probably not any better prepared than you were. He says, like, my kid still is not potty trained. <laughs> uh, Jerry on Twitter says, oh, please, I wish you could speak to my parents who started their family of eight kids in 1950. It was no picnic for them or the many large families of that era. And I bet my grandparents worked pretty hard to raise a family in the Depression. Why do we forget history so easily? Uh, great question, Jerry. Great example of uh, the things that uh, that generations before us also faced. Uh, let's go to Kathy in Hartland, who is back with us again. Kathy, what's on your mind? Hi, this is kind of a different perspective, and it relates to uh, model what you want your children to do. I'm a cashier at Target, so I see hundreds of parent and child interactions each week. I'm very concerned children are being raised without the emotional skills they're going to need to be functioning adults. Um, people are not being taught impulse control and delayed gratification. Uh, parents will let children eat their food before it's paid for. I have to bring up their toy first and then hand it right back to them because they cannot wait for it to be put in a bag and get to the car. Um, parents want their child to pay for their transaction, which is a good goal. But these kids are fumbling with the wallet. They don't recognize the money. They don't know how to do it because people haven't taken the time to show them. Then the, the parent gets impatient and grabs it out of the kid's hand and, and does the transaction for them, you know, making the kid feel like a failure. Um, I, constantly I see parents who will hand a toy to a child. The child will have it in the cart the entire time they're in the store. And then at the very last second, the parent will rip it out of their hands, hand it to me and say, we don't want this. So in effect, <laughs> they've like lied to their child. How, you know, and, and um, how can you trust your parent you know, when they do things like this? Um, none of these things you need to read a book for, you know, um, but it's just, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned how Kathy. these people, you know, how are they going to be able to handle setbacks in life later on? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, it's a really interesting set of examples. I'm glad you called and shared it. Andrew, I wonder what your reaction is to that. Yeah, I mean, I would say those are those are problematic, you know, scenarios. And I think it, it does go back to what I had said earlier, is that we, we are modeling behaviors that our kids are going to follow. So, you know, I, you, you should be taking your kids out to do errands as early as they as early as they can come with you. And you should behave on those errands the way you want your kids to behave when they are old enough to, to do them on their own. So you may say, well, is, is it really that important for my, you know, to take my daughter with me to the hardware store to buy a replacement, you know, set of screws? Yes, because what, what you're showing your daughter when you do that is this is how I interact politely with, you know, the cashier. This is how I ask somebody at a store for help to help me find something. Um, this is how I you know, speak to a friend or a neighbor that I see in the store. So you're constantly modeling for your children. They, like mm -hmm. I said, they, they, they are kids are so much more adept and skilled and um, and and uh, adaptive than we give them credit for. 
and they, they're, they're like anthropologists watching their parents and like studying this, this species and they're, and, and they're gonna eventually follow that model that they set. So I, I would have to think that those parents, and we, we even heard it, you know, they're setting a bad example by taking the toy out and saying like, well, now we're not playing for it. So, you know, we just misused it. And we also you know, gave, gave a false promise. So you are always modeling behavior for your kids. And again, we don't need to be perfect. So we'll make mistakes. We everybody makes mistakes, and what what's important though is if you make a mistake, you acknowledge it with your kids. You know, when we were at that store, um, I you know I I was a little bit quick with the cashier. I didn't I, I should have you know been a little bit uh, you know more polite or a little bit um, <laughs> you know more more open minded. So we're not going to be perfect, but again, even when you make a mistake, that's an opportunity to model the appropriate way to acknowledge mistakes. Yeah. Just, just always be thinking that your kids are watching you and they're gonna eventually do exactly what you do. And yeah. that, that that can guide you. Yeah. Uh, again, Kathy, thanks for the call. Uh, a couple more social media comments here. Deborah and Hamtramck actually called in, couldn't stay on the line. She says, I'm not a parent, but come into contact with a lot of them at the University of Michigan. And there are way too many helicopter parents I come into contact with. That's something I hear from Lots of people I know in in higher ed in particular. Amy on Twitter says, life is much faster paced now. Thanks, Internet. Uh, Smaller villages, kids are exposed to more influence over social media uh, than ever before. Uh, Before we have to end, uh, Andrew, we only got about a minute and a half left. I I do want to talk a little about cost and how dramatically different the cost is and how that drives some of this pressure and anxiety. I think that's a real key here. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole chapter in the book that's called For Sale, which is about how expensive it is to raise kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of my theories is that a lot of the the price tag is due to, to this quest to be perfect, to be the best. And you feel like there are all these products out there. There are, there are all these services out there. There are all these opportunities that I, I could, I can buy my children. And if I don't spend that money, I'm failing them. And, you know, we know that's not true, but the way these products are marketed, whether they're in the forms of books or video streaming services or enhancement CDs or parenting coaches or, uh, you know, after school activities, they're, they're marketed with this idea that we're going to make your kids better. Um, so just hand over your money to us and we'll, we'll help you. And that, that, so it, it feeds the anxiety. These, these, uh, industries and this big business of, of of parenting would not exist if it wasn't an anxious consumer mm-hmm. base of parents eager to fork over their money. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Andrew Bomback was really great to have you here to talk about uh, your book, Long Days, Short Years. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who called in. And, um, you know, I, I hope we have some people who will read the book. And I'd love to interact with those who have read it. Um, you know, you can find me on social media, even though I just said, (laughs) (laughs) stay off it, but (laughs) please, please, if you read the book and want to get in touch with me, you can find me there. Yes. Excellent. Okay. That is going to do it for us this week on Detroit today. Come back on Monday. We're going to talk with the author of the novel, the last white man and explore how to have a more compassionate conversation about our changing culture and how to more thoroughly examine whiteness. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation.
We'll talk again on Monday.